from the Transport Workers Union Air Division offices in Colleyville, Texas. It's the TWU Air Division podcast with Strategic Action Coordinator Brian Parker. Join Brian as he discusses issues that affect the careers and lives of Air Division members. Take it away, Brian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Transport Workers Union Air Division podcast. Joining me today is Air Division Systems Coordinator and Vice President, TWU Vice President, Gary Peterson. Thanks for joining me again today, Gary. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having us on. Uh, look, this is uh, a time that don't really want to have a conversation about what we're going to talk about today, but this is in real time. And um, what is it, Thursday the 27th of August? So we're going to do a, just a discussion about American Airlines, the reduction they are announcing and have announced. They got that information to us late last night, so I kind of took over your thunder there, but I want to make sure we get it out right away that. For any member that's out there that isn't with American, I think it's worthy to listen because we'll probably be having a similar scenario at the other carriers. But um, we'll talk you know exclusively about American today. But I think anybody that's a member of, uh, of our union that is listening to the podcast, I, I, I wish they listened through so they understand what we're going through here at American and as well as what we may face at other carriers. And I'm glad you mentioned, uh, you know, that it's Thursday the 27th. I'll be more specific and say, you know, we're sitting here about 10 a.m. And the reason I think it's important that we say that, normally we record a podcast and we don't say good morning or good afternoon. We'll say hello. But you make a very good point. Things are so fluid right now and things are changing so fast that there may be things that we discuss right now and we find out six, eight hours later that uh, the company has taken a left turn on whatever we've discussed. So, The information that that we're going to talk about today is what we know as of right now. There's some things that uh, are still very vague and unclear that we don't even, we're not even going to discuss because we don't even know which way the company is going to go. And I think that is indicative of the way American Airlines has run their business, not just through this crisis, but, you know, for years. And it's it's progressively gotten worse. We finally got a master seniority list uh, hit JetNet today. It's something that, you know, our members need to have this information in order to make an informed decision. And there's other things that they need right now that they don't have. So let's go ahead and talk about the reduction in force and uh, talk about some of the things that should have already happened. Yeah, let me preface it with um, we're not you know, having this conversation saying that we're in agreement with the reduction. I think there's some contractual provisions that obviously we we disagree with where the company intends to go. I anticipate that it won't go seamlessly and there'll be grievances. And and that's unfortunate. I can say this, Brian, that, you know, you hit it on the head. Historically, we would have dialogue way sooner in advance. And some will say, well, the unions work with the company. That's not working with the company. This affects our members directly. And and having knowledge of what the company's plan is and making sure that we, we mitigate any issues early on with questions and answers and those types of things definitely comes into play. This is this isn't something that they woke up in the last week and started making a plan about. This is something they've been planning obviously for months. And I st- you know sit here before you telling you they we got information the actual information on who's being reduced the numbers in that last night late into the evening. Now, others had that information out on the floor well in advance. I guess they're they're cozying up to the company and, and doing what they're doing, and that information is out there, and, and that needs to be investigated by American and figured out who's leaking information on stuff that we don't have for our own members. That's problematic. What I can tell you, though, is, is that the one thing we don't do is hold anything back, and in this podcast, we're not going to hold anything back. Right, and so I want to reiterate that point. As a representative of the the International Union, you're telling me that you did not get the notices of who would be affected until late last night. I would say close to 10 o'clock our time here in Texas, maybe, you know, give or take an hour. And again, that's the, the total package, so to speak, that we got. 
let me say it this way. I'm glad it came at 10 o'clock last night, but if it's if it's information I saw put out on social media by other people a couple of days ago, then there's a huge problem because people are having conversations and excluding the, the bargaining representatives of the union, and that's a game we're not going to stand by and play. I'm not surprised. I would love to say that I'm shocked. I'm not shocked because that seems to be the standard MO of American Airlines to not communicate properly, to utterly disregard our contractual agreements. Uh, I mean, I'm just not shocked. Yeah, I, I think it's one step further. It's divide, uh, an attempt to divide and conquer. And, you know, I'll leave it at that. But anyhow, let's go ahead and go through some of the stuff that you got, and then I'll speak okay, to Okay, so let's, uh, since we're talking about the reduction, let's go ahead and talk about the process of the reduction in force. Yeah, for the TW membership, this is... Um, well, first, again, we don't agree that the reduction should should be taking place. Let's just start there. I mean, understandably, we're going to have a dispute over those types of things. But right. let's talk about the process. This is a completely different process. This is a seniority-based process. So, you know, members who are affected will be able to bump somebody junior to them in the system. One of the, the biggest things I think that I want to make sure that people understand and people have given out bad information and I've gotten calls, you know, even, you know, presidents have spoke about this, that people are going back and telling junior members, well, if you don't have this much seniority, you don't have an option to do this. And that. That's completely false. Open the book, get with the union rep, make a phone call, make a sound decision. The option sheet that's going to be provided is, is very similar to what's been provided in the past. Make an option for anywhere you were willing to go. If there's you know 45 right. options or 26 options, select every one of those options where you're willing to go or want to go because that's the first and foremost thing. If you got seniority on somebody, you're going to have the opportunity to hold a position. The second piece that's a significant shift from our historical agreements and, and maybe some of the, the people that are affected in groups, again, not that we agree, but, but this is a different scenario. If you exercise and take the furlough, the key there is you'll be able to bid back in the system with your seniority. Under the old agreements, you would be on the street and you had to wait until you were recalled. So this is a different, you have a re, you take, take furlough. You have recall to that station, and you must accept that recall to that station. But while you're on furlough, you can bid against anybody that's on active payroll, so to speak, bid back into the system exercising your seniority. So that is significant in this because we have in places some senior members that may want to exercise the furlough option and think through it that way and then bid back in when position comes available in a location. So there's a different option there that really needs to be read through. And if you don't know, again, reach out to your local reps. If obviously, if there's questions, we'll we'll try to answer them for the local reps, but go through the local reps first. Okay, I want to back up just uh, because you made a point, and I think this is a very clear point. When the members have options, they're going to have all the cities to be out there for yep. them. It's going to be on the sheet, as well as a reduction, say, from full-time to part-time would be an option. You make a good point that the members need to really understand and only choose where they're willing to go. Because if they choose, let's just say they choose everywhere and their sixth option is where they end up, they're going to have to go there. And if they don't go there, they're going to be basically uh, considered resigned from the company if they don't report there and go to work, correct? Yeah, I believe that's the way it reads. And again, this is why it's critical we talk through, read the contract. There's some new, there's differences in the fleet agreement and maintenance agreement on, on some provisions. So, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to get specific because we have to talk contract to contract. MLS right. and MNR, you know, follow and fleet has a little bit different. You spoke to the part-time, obviously, um, and how that provision works. So quite honestly, it's a matter of slowing down to make sure you make sound decisions. And if, if there's questions, the reps need to be available. And, and obviously, you know, that's, that's our, this is a prime function of why you have a union. 
to go through and make sound decisions and understand the process and, and get those questions answered if you're involved. Again, go back to fleet is, is a good example. A lot of fleet's movement is from full-time to part-time. That is my understanding. Now, that's those are options that people have to make. So understanding what the contract provides for and what your options are, then you make a sound decision, and that will ultimately create you know where you wind up or your choice. I have watched under the even under our old provisions where people didn't understand or didn't ask questions and wound up getting furloughed because they didn't follow the steps that are called right. for. So again, it's it's really a question of if you've never been involved, get somebody to help you that's a rep that understands the process. Please, I'm, I'm imploring everybody to do that. I know it's a lot of people. I know it's a lot of work, but this is the time where the reps step up and really assist in the process. It's critical that a member doesn't make a mistake because it is going to have a, that mistake will have a profound impact on them, on the outcome. Well, one thing that I think you and I will both agree on, and I think that our members should already understand this. If they don't, it's baffling. I would be shocked if they didn't know. You can't rely on American Airlines to walk you through these processes. <laughs> I'm going to say this and I say it just absolute from disgust. The way that this is being handled through an email is disgusting to me. It's it's it, This is the one of the most impactful things. Somebody is going to leave with with notice today that that they're potentially not going to have a job or they're being reduced again not that we agree but the impersonal action and how this is being handled disgusts me i've been laid off i talked about that in the last podcast my manager came over they called me in and, and they walked me through the process correct that's what i'm talking about the company and and at that time the union now we don't have that going because we weren't asked to participate in this part of the process, used to sit down and, and everybody understood what was happening, meaning the union and the company rep. And then we would talk to the individual. In my case, they talked to me. And I, Tom Flanagan was the rep, you know, when I first started. And, and he walked me through a lot of things. I, I, I remember my reps from when I first started and that, that nature of how the process worked from the union side when I was getting laid off. The union reps were in the room. Ron Massey, I think, was one of the reps going back that's 30 years ago right. with management. And they showed me what it meant, what my options were. And again, not that they agreed or disagreed, but it was a process, but it was, it was personal. And was they humane. knew, yeah, they knew when I was, I mean, you're emotionally shaken and it doesn't matter how much seniority you have. This is life-changing yeah. for anybody that's involved to see, and, and to get it by email. That's, that's just, it's unacceptable. And I'm not ashamed to say I told the company it's unacceptable. Very few times you'll hear me say I, but in this case, I, I, this is very personal to me. Well, you know, the company's trend has been to go to the company email, the AA email. And so a lot of notifications leading up to this point has went to it. But to your point, through a reduction in force, if that's your notification, that's pitiful. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just disgusting. Well, and if you just go back a few weeks ago when they were doing the management reductions, they talked about how they were meeting with their employees and talking through the reduction and what was going to happen. That sets the tone for how we're treated. And that's where I have a huge problem. We are not second class or third class or any other class. We're, we're the top of this company when it comes to making this airline run. And how you're treated and how you're viewed creates the relationship and how you move forward. Right. So, so again, going back to my own personal experience, I was laid off, wasn't happy, upset, all those things happened. 
when I came back, I knew I was coming back to something that mattered because people, well, I was leaving the company, cared enough to talk me through that and explain it to me. How cold is it for a manager to sit in his office while you open up an email because you've been told to go in your email to see if you're being furloughed? Right. And then that manager is going to say, I don't know anything about it. That's problematic. That is that is ethics 101. That's treatment of people 101. You know, they open you, you walk in the door and they make it seem with open arms like this is the greatest place to work. In fact, I heard a comment many, many moons ago by Robert Isom that I'd want my family to come work here. This is a family environment. This is how you treat family. You send them an email and tell them, hey, I don't want to talk to you no more. I'll let you know when to come back, pick some options. Right. This is life changing. You know, and you mentioned a point, and uh, I'm not going to let this point go by. When you talk about a reduction, and I know there were management reductions, management didn't have uh, at least the same representation and the same contractual rights that we had. So their reductions were terminations. They fired those people. And I'm not going to let it uh, go unmentioned yet again that a lot of these people, these uh former managers or staff assistants or whatever they were that they've terminated from the company for some of them several weeks and then be re-notified that they're going to be hired to take crew chief jobs. Yeah, I know that's a dispute. I'm not heavily involved on the fleet side with that, Brian. But I, again, I will say that our position is that's our work. And, and I make no bones about our work scope is our work scope. And when I say that, maintenance has a little bit different language. Again, we have some variance in language. Right. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm just going to say it, we own the work on the ramp when it comes to fleet service. We own the assignment of work when it comes to who does what. That's a function of a crew chief. Correct. It's been a function of a crew chief for since the day I got here. In the absence, it's always been the same, in the absence of a crew chief, a supervisor may. That's the language I believe it still exists in your guys' book. Right. That's what they're trying to, to, to walk on. And we'll fight our way through that, but that shouldn't be happening. But it's, guess what? We're going to take care of our people at the expense of who? Those other people. We're those other people, folks. I said this while we were in bargaining. And look, I have a lot of respect for, for individual people. I don't have respect for people who treat us like that. And those people, this is where Doug Parker, again, needs to put up. And, and I'm not, I don't shy away from these conversations with with senior leadership as well. This is where Doug Parker says, I want world-class employee relations. Well, then you better get world-class people in there that treat people humanely, not like we're a piece of garbage. We are not garbage and we're not gonna be treated that way. And I will keep fighting this until that, that happens. You treat us equally, equitably, fairly, then I'll be uh, okay with that. You treat us how you're treating us, None of us should be okay with that. I agree. But to that point, Brian, in my understanding, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, because again, I don't get into the, the detail as much as maybe I understand, but you know, other folks have responsibility for that. But my understanding is they're actually reducing crew chiefs to a clerk level, and then they're replacing them with this management person. Well, in, a, in effect, what they're doing is they're furloughing crew chiefs. Right. They're reducing the number of crew chiefs and mm-hmm. replacing them with, with these uh, new allocators. Yeah. Allocator, I like that word. Yeah. That's uh, a crew know, chief. Yeah. Make no mistake about so, it. That's a crew chief. So I'll say just here, you know, I work in DFW. It's 60-something crew chief jobs that are affected. 
Seventy-five percent of those are senior weekend crew chief positions. Yeah, best so, best jobs go to who? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Seniority in our world, and we'll just knock those guys out, and and those sixty ultimately wind up affecting the sixty most junior. Absolutely, and that's the fight we're we're in. Absolutely, yeah. it's an unfortunate situation that we're in right now. We shouldn't have to be going through it like we're going through it, but. Go ahead and talk a little bit about the different groups, uh, Fleet, MNR, Title II, and you know, and how everything's being affected. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I spoke a little bit about this. The biggest impact that I, you know, understand and and can see, and again, looking at it through a short window of time, the last you know, forty eight hours, so to speak, it looks like a lot of Fleet full time will be moved to part time, and and again, they're going to hit, so to speak, whatever the contract contractual provision allows for. It's that's that's what I'm seeing. So we're going to have to make sure that. That that's what's happening on the maintenance side. Still outsourcing work uh, internationally to El Salvador and and things of that nature. So we're going to lay off U.S. workers in our you know our bases and in our line stations. Well, not as much in the line, but definitely the bases. So work can go to El Salvador. Line maintenance again reductions based around I guess in their mind less flying and and but airplanes still need to be worked, so they're parked somewhere else. Somebody else doing that work and and again this is where. You know, taking care of your own employees versus having a contractor come in, and I'll speak to that in our Title II world. What was our Title II world? GSC and facilities maintenance. They are replacing our members with vendors. So not through attrition. No, 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 not, not and that and that is going to be a fight. I'll tell you that right now. We we negotiated protections and we agreed as much as I don't like the answer that eventually they could move out of some of these smaller locations and, and as people are trid out, they would be able to, you know, replace them with a vendor. Again, that was the contract that we got to. Bottom line though, is they're using the pandemic as a method to replace union workers on the property with to your point, vendors or scabs. You know, and, and again, we'll 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 be fighting our way through that process because it's completely wrong. The pandemic is not an excuse to replace workers. The pandemic is, in in their theory at least, is that we need to reduce headcount because we don't have work. That work ain't going anywhere. That work is still there. They're just replacing our individual members, and that's that's going to be a huge problem. Well, there's different kinds of wrong. There's contractually wrong, and then there's moral and ethically wrong, and okay. they're checking all the boxes. So let's move on from there and talk about uh, politics and not Republican-Democrat politics. Let's talk about what's going on in D.C. I know we've been pushing for a clean extension to the CARES Act. We don't have that. Uh, We're pushing for it for a different reason, I think, than the airline is pushing for it. We're pushing for it for a lifeline for our members, the ones we represent, because we know that this is going to have a huge impact on our, our members' families. The airline's pushing for it simply because of numbers and money. So where are we at right now? The airline is pushing forward, and and that benefits our members. So at the end of the day, you know how we get to the end result. We can we can you know we can get through that side. The the result is what everybody needs to have happen. Right. It's DC. It's it's, it's gridlock. And again, you know, I, I watch, I watch and hear some of the things that legislative folks are worried about. And I'll give you the example. I saw it this morning about you know this TikTok app. This is like the the biggest thing that some people have on their mind. I don't give a damn about an app. I do care about privacy, and you can disconnect and, and make that choice. 
our workforce does not have a choice. Our membership does not have a choice on how they're going to feed their family or pay their rent. Right. As a result of people more worried about how an app and, and access to an app versus putting food on the table. Disconnect the app. That's that's the simple thing for me. I don't, I don't give a damn about that app. I do care about people. And it's not, again, this is a little bit bigger, but this isn't just about airline workers when you start looking at it. this is This is, you know... A lot of other areas of the, the the United States are affected and need help. I'm people, glad you're going people, into that. yeah, people are desperate for help. Talked about it the last time. I drove by again yesterday. I didn't participate, but I participate meaning donate. But I was driving by. I saw the food bank again. Uh, they do it weekly by my house. There's four rows of cars lined up. This shouldn't be happening in in the U.S., let alone the neighborhoods, so to speak, that we all live in. Those neighborhoods are going to change, by the way. If these things continue, you're going to see more and more. We're going to go further and further into the abyss. And again, this is where D.C. and, and you hit it on that. I don't give a damn about Democrat or Republican. I care about people. Right. And at the end of the day, they need to step up and start worrying about people and how they're going to feed their family. You know, it, it, people that are on unemployment, which, by the way, you know, our members through this process wind up there, that's $600. That, that, that's gone. Now they're arguing over three or 400 and what the state puts in what... Look, people are starving to make ends meet, and and it, this is just fundamentally wrong. And the focus needs to be on the U.S. worker. And again, I'll go back to we're still going to have planes in El Salvador while we're laying off in Tulsa, Oklahoma, our own members. And they got a representative, Inhofe, up there who talks a great game. And he could be in, and he's a Republican, by the way, and we got corn in here, and they both could be in Mitch McConnell's ass right now saying we need to get something done for our our biggest workers in the, in this area and certainly in Oklahoma we need to do something to help these people out but they're more worried about playing politics and I'm not I'm not I'm not taking up for the Democrats I'm just pointing where I sit today and where Tulsa sits both those locations okay that's that's so I'm not playing politics here this isn't a, a debate over Democrat Republican this is a debate over the Democrats are wrong the Republicans are wrong get together and get this worked out and if you're not going to do it then understand the consequence. That consequence is this this ripple effect that you know you and I have talked about, and I'll just say this. It's not just about an airline bill that supports the, us and the airline workers. It's not just union folks, by the way. It affects non-union. But it, it's the ripple effect of what happens in the concession areas, and we see that at the airports today, and if there's less people going up, more of those things close. The ripple effect of people not needing to come to the airport and, and the parking attendant or the, the transportation that brings people to and from the airport. There's so many things that are intertwined with the airline industry that that ripple effect is going to go out. And while we talk about, you know, 75 to 100,000 airline workers getting affected through reduction in furlough. And again, I don't know how that number plays into early outs and in voluntary leaves, which those people like got the greatest respect for in the world because they're saving young young workers careers or opportunities livelihood lifeline but that ripple effect is critical because then it starts going out and I, I again i believe it runs into the millions so we're going to see this massive unemployment spike when we're talking about an election just a couple weeks out and i'm surprised that the washington folks haven't seen that because democrat or republican it doesn't matter when i get affected that may change how i think of who i'm voting for because they didn't step up and do anything for me. And this is going to take effect October 1st, and that ripple effect is going to go out over the next several weeks. Right. And uh, it'll be seen, it'll be felt, and it'll, it'll, it'll peak up. And why? So we're going to have people get unemployment versus a paycheck? 
you know, some of our members were talking about, yeah, they're senior and, and they're going to continue working. It's the junior members that aren't, right? So their wages are, in some cases, you know, the, the unemployment is going to be equal to what they were making. I mean, this is this is the state of affairs and how we're running, you know, not us, but people are running this country, right. total disregard for, for what they're supposed to be doing. Well, you talk about the ripple effect tied to an airport or an airline. It's so much far reaching than that because when you start, uh, you know, the airlines are losing money. We can talk about the bad decisions they got them in the place to where they're losing money and they don't have <laughs> enough to succeed going forward. But when you start choking off service, because these airlines aren't going to be able to continue to provide the service to the U.S. or internationally for that matter. When you start choking off service, you're talking about suppressing the whole country. Yeah, well, and I saw, you know, I'll, I'll go and uh, do some reading, obviously, and I saw where people were saying, well, those 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 people can just drive, you know, <laughs> to Chicago from Des Moines or Dubuque. Sounds um, great. It, yeah, it, it does, but, but again, it is going to affect everybody. And again, let's talk about the community and the infrastructure and the valuation when people, you know, can't. We watched this once before, at least recently, in recent times, when uh, here just in the Metroplex, right, when Delta pulled out of Dallas. And there was a, a huge glut in the economy because that was a, a massive amount of jobs. We're, we're talking the same thing, only mm -hmm. on a much grander scale. And again, while Southwest, I'll touch on that real quick, while Southwest isn't doing reductions today like American is, they've already said, well, we don't anticipate doing any until next year. Well, next year's only three months away. I mean, you know, when you start talking October to January. So again, these impacts, uh, you know, net-net are, are massive. And, and again, we represent folks, you know, people forget again the industry. We have a lot of companies that we represent outside of American and Southwest at TWU on the airline side. You know, Express Jet's closing. They're going, they are shuttering their business September 30th. They're done. Right. You know, that's, 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 you know, 100 or so people that we represent that don't have a job October 1. You know, Alaska, other companies, there's impacts that our membership don't see, but certainly the legislative folks see. And, and those numbers are going to be increasing over time. And then that ripple effect is going to continue out over time. And then when there is a cure or a solution, a vaccine or whatever for the virus, Airlines don't turn on with a snap of a finger. It's a process to get things going. We talked, I think we did, talk about getting a badge. Yeah, we did. It's discussed. 30, 60, 90 days for you to get a badge at some of the airports for the security purposes. So once you're out and that badge is closed off, you got to start that process all over. Now you're talking thousands of people going through that process. And if you transfer or move from airport to airport, remember, you, that badge is only good at your airport. So now when you go to the new airport, you got everybody's got to go through that process. This is a massive infrastructure that's going to affect the government because everybody that moves has to go through that step and the government's going to have to produce badges. Well, we're going through COVID. Guess what? That's a slowed down process because they don't have everybody working social distancing. This is a this is a disaster in the making and it's not an American Airlines problem. It's an industry problem because United's going to be there. Delta's doing it and, and I expect the rest Southwest and those to eventually get there. And I don't want to get too far off topic to start talking about the government and the inadequacies there. Uh, we, that would be a whole other podcast, and we could do a series on, on things there uh, failing on the federal level. But anyway, back to the airlines and back specific to American. To your point, this specific podcast is about American Airlines, but this podcast reaches so much more. It, it filters through, like you say, vendors, other airlines, transportation in general. And then all the way out to it, it's going to affect everyone in the country in some shape, form, or fashion. 
Yeah, and when the service is gone and, and you have an emergency situation, I mean, what do you do? This is very short-sighted on the government's part. And, and again, I'm, I'm not taking up for the airlines, but I will say the airlines have supported this. And, and right. it is a loan, I believe, you know, in most cases, it's a loan to them. They got to pay this money back. So it's a choice as well, whether they do or don't do this. But they also need to have a plan in place because it's not a light switch. You got to plan the flight schedule and things like that and have people available in those locations. We're really bumping up uh, against time. We're really out of time. I hate saying that, but... You know, that's that's where we're at. So can we agree this podcast is a plea to American Airlines to start treating people more ethically and morally and understand that they it's real lives at stake here. And it's a plea to Congress and to the government to try to figure this out. Yeah, it's definitely a plea to the to the legislative folks. We've I can't tell you the number of calls that I made, but they're massive to try and get somebody to get off their duff, so to speak, and get this thing going. This has been, this isn't new conversation. We've talked about this before. This is weeks and months in the making. There's been people beating down doors to try and get something done. I don't understand the gridlock in D.C. and, and the, I, I just have total disregard for what they're doing to the people they represent. They're elected to represent and make sure that people are represented. The, again, this industry is way more than just an airport and an airline. And the net effect of this job loss is magnified to a level that, well, like I said, we'll see over time. Uh, the airline itself, you know, American itself, <laughs> treating people right doesn't take a whole lot. I, I've been in arguments with a lot of people over an issue, but it's, it's almost as if some people take this very, like, like it's personal against our members. And, and again, I, I don't want to get into that, but what I can say is it's very personal to us when our members are affected and, and the treatment and how this is being done and the opportunity they had to plan time. This has kind of been something that, you know, since the CARES Act was put in place, this has been on on people's minds for a while now. They, I don't know what they've been focused on, on the, so to speak, labor relations side. And I'll, I'll, I'll say that that's, that's who handles this, right? But how are we gonna do this? What conversations are we gonna, there's no conversations. It's an email. That, that that just doesn't register with me. Yeah, it makes no sense. I mean we can't we can't rationalize the decisions. We nope. can't we can't answer for the company. Uh, but to your point and this is a if you don't take anything else away, if the members don't take anything else away from this podcast, to the point is you have union representation and you need to rely on them to help get you through this process. Yep. Because you cannot expect and sit and expect American Airlines to hold your hand through this process. They'll put the process out. They'll send you the notification in your email, and they'll answer some questions here and there, but you can't expect them to guide you through this process properly. Nope, but they own the process and the result of it, and if they don't follow the contract and, and make it right, then there will be grievances and we'll be you know fighting our way through. The one thing I am concerned about, and that goes back to that, Brian, is people may be you know, if the company makes mistakes, it has that that does have a ripple effect. And again, being prepared is one thing. Doing it, it seems as though it's the last minute. And I think they they're doing everybody a disservice. And I would question if I was in a management position, which I'm not, how this process was actually done and, and how much time was spent coordinating it with the union to make sure that we understood step by step what was going on. That's not what happened. It's we're being told at the last minute. This is what you know, this is what it is. This is how it is. 
I guess we're going to wing it and see how it goes. And I, I do expect grievances to come out of it. Um, I didn't really hit on the aircraft maintenance side. We don't believe any aircraft maintenance folks should be reduced again because works in, I talked about El Salvador, but on the line side, there's airplanes that we should be touching all the time. So nobody should be in, being reduced in that group as well. I, you know, I understand that they're, they're making business decisions, but we have contractual provisions that really need to be looked at and viewed and, and understood the consequence of um, making those decisions in, in the short window and a long window on how that affects not only their employees, but the access to the airplanes, the maintenance on the airplanes. Well, uh, you and I both know that uh, relationships matter and ethical treatment matters and respect matters, and all these things matter. And if American Airlines wants to succeed past this point, they need to start building employee relations. Yeah, well, and, and you know, the top leadership talks about it, and then it gets lost, you know, as it tumbles down. Um, and again, I don't want to get into the individual relationships, you know, on the local level, you guys right. have representation. and But those relationships do matter. And, and that doesn't cross a line. You have to be able to have an effective communication process, right? The contract's a contract. We can disagree, but you have to talk and have communication constantly. That That's the relationship I'm talking about. You know, I've, I've had different relationships, so to speak, with management along the way. Some good, some not so good. But it was always about the principles of the contract. It wasn't, I don't, I don't care about their personal lives and those, t- I do care about people. I don't want to see anything bad happen to anybody, but I don't get into that part of the, the, the process, but I do care about is how it impacts our membership and if there's a violation. Now, we don't, we don't have to have a fight over that. We have to have a, that relationship over understanding the contract and, so to speak, the application and enforcement, right? They should be applying it. We should be enforcing it if, if there's a disagreement and then resolving that. To your point, that's, that's, that's how I see these relationships. I'm not here to burn burn bridges or burn buildings. No, down. absolutely not. Uh, I do have to say, though, um, communication is the key. And when you, when you wait to communicate, doesn't doesn't usually come out well in, in, in the result. Yeah, well, I will say this as an officer of a local, we have always maintained a good business relationship with our local management. And we've always collaborated and worked together. And uh, what I'm seeing is, is the decisions made by the top. And I'm going to direct this... Uh, over at headquarters and senior leadership is put a heavy strain on the relationship that we've had on the local level because I don't believe the ones on the local level have a lot of latitude anymore to make decisions and uh, I think that's sad so headquarters is, is basically calling the shots and that's just my view from my position from a local officer yeah top, top down organizations don't work and, and the unions experience that as well right I mean when they try to run things from the top, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, I believe in letting the locals have the autonomy and, and make business decisions, do what they need to do and coordinate with one another. And then being involved when they ask me to be involved, not dictate to them, so to speak, what they need to do. I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I, I don't know their structure, but something's getting lost in the in the what the operation needs conversations. And I hear that a lot. So I know they've made structural changes I can tell you on the maintenance side, I think it's gotten a little bit better in, in recent times with those changes. It almost seems like on the fleet side, we're going the other direction again. And, and again, I'm I'm not close enough to the property, unfortunately, as I used to be on a day-to-day basis. But I, I do hear from our, you know, I have conversations with the presidents throughout the week and, and every week with them. And I do get that. So everywhere's a little different. And I, you know, 
I just hate the net effect on the membership. Yeah, you know, and, and again, I work in a local here at DFW. And when we look at the operation, so we're at, I don't know if you'd say we're at a, a fortunate position, an unfortunate position, because uh, they're hanging a bit on the wall today here at DFW. And we just, uh, as of a couple of days ago, finally got to see the, the final product. And what they're hanging on the wall is atrocious to our members. It's going to be, and it's not just because there's a reduction that's about to happen. So what we see is they're putting in an operational plan that's not going to support the airline operation. And that's sad to see because we care about this airline and we care about these passengers. This airline pays our bills. We want this airline to succeed. And when you see the decisions that they're making and totally discounting seniority and everything else in the process, it's just baffling. It's baffling. Yeah. Well, again, it's... um it's it's where we're at and and unfortunately we're we are going to have to fight our way through it meaning the union and and we're going to have to do what we need to do and and there's you know there's an uneasiness in that and i'll say that there's an uneasiness with me right now over what the next you know six eight weeks is going to look like and i I say that openly because i there hasn't been that that line of communication and this is a this is a critical juncture in in what's going to happen with the airline and when you're not having those communications and it's not structured and it's not foundational then when it, then when it you know it, it gets deployed you run into problems you know i again go back to the military some military background and and military has a lot of structure to it and decisions are made and no it doesn't always come down to the you know to the 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 lower ranked people but senior enlisted and officers generally have communications that's very important and they may not always agree. And at the end of the day, similar to our structure, I guess the officer would make a decision and, and we would go down whatever path as the enlisted folks. But what I can tell you is they listened to the senior enlisted folks because they had a lot of the experience. You know, the generals were somewhere else over on the side, but the lower ranking officers needed the guidance of the people that had been around. So it's, you know, the 30-year guys that have been around or the long-term workforce, we're talking to the, you know, junior or senior management, no different than the senior enlisted. We're talking to the lower level officers and senior levels were making critical decisions around what was going to ultimately be done. But they let us deploy and do what we needed to do on the ground through communications because we understood how it needed to work. Right. Right. We were we were in the weeds or down on the ground. They were giving us the support and infrastructure we needed and listening to that. And, and to your point, I don't know that that happens a whole lot. Doesn't Hopefully we get back to, to it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem to. Yep. Well, Gary, we've uh, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. Uh, we went on and off topic on reductions and stuff like that. I know it's a bad time. It's a, it's a very unfortunate time that our members have to go through this. Again, I want to reiterate, and, and I'm saying this for all the locals because uh, I've had the pleasure in, of going all around the system and, and meeting representatives from all title groups all around the system. And the transport workers union is very blessed for the representation that they have. Our members are very blessed to have that. Yep. Well, and, and I'll, I'll close with this. If you have any type of seniority or you've been around a while, this is a time to grab some of these guys that are junior that are affected and, and just let them know that it is going to be okay. We are going to be here to support you. We're going to make sure we get you back to work as soon as we can. That's our that's our responsibility, having seniority. And, you know, and if you can do anything, 
nothing else. Just give give a young you know young worker your phone number and say if you got any questions. Once, look, I, I've been there. Once you walk out that door, it's it's you're in a whole new world again. You've lost that that um, connection, and I think it's important. Representatives absolutely need to make sure that people have their phone number. These young workers who are going to be laid off because they are the junior folks, we need to make sure they have a, a lifeline back to us, that there's communication with us, that they know who to, to, to contact if they got a question. Once once you cross that line, and, and especially in today's environment with cell phones, we have to make that available to them. And right. so, you know, that's that's just my ask of, of the reps and, and, and the senior workers out there who've, who've been through this, you know, care about the younger, you know, younger workforce and, and let them know that we're there for them. This is not about me it's about the we and this is when we got to participate as a family i agree uh with that said gary i i don't have anything else to discuss uh like i say it's uh it's been a, a long discussion here but i think one that needs to be had i know that i've been critical of the airline itself of uh, the leadership there's some good people in management at american airlines i'd be a fool to sit here and tell you that they're all get bad uh there's a lot of bad decisions being made um they can write the ship but it's going to have to be through employee relations. Yep. So, yeah, and, and if this this cares legislation the, you know, does come through the second round, then that's the perfect opportunity to to take a step back and make sure that they don't fumble it again if, you know, we wind up in this place down the road. Look, um, these are band-aids we're talking about. This isn't a solution. So, right. if if the CARES Act comes through, it's a band-aid that keeps everybody working, but learn from these mistakes that we're talking, you know, we just talked about and don't do things at the last minute. Have conversations, walk the walk, talk the talk, and really, you know, understand this is somebody's life that you're you're changing. You changed their life when they walked in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, have the same level of respect when when so to speak they're walking out the door. Make sure they know that that you actually care about them. And I think that, that they've done this huge disservice by the way they're processing it to, to take that total interconnectivity away. I agree. Is there anything else that we need to uh, discuss before we go? Nope. Appreciate it, though, Brad. All right, Gary. Well, I appreciate you joining us. And I appreciate everyone listening. Hopefully, you've listened to the end. And uh, hopefully, you find value in these conversations. We'll see you again next time. Have a great day. Thanks. For more information about the TWU Air Division, visit our website at TWU.org forward slash divisions. To comment on this or any of our podcasts, email us at airdivisionpodcast at TWU.org. You can listen, download, and stream episodes of our Air Division podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your favorite Android podcatcher, or your RSS feed-enabled browser. Air Division podcast episodes are also available to stream and download from our website, podcast.twu.org. Music provided under license by Pond5.com. TWU Air Division podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Engel.